Worst, the podcast of everything that is the worst. I'm your host, Mark, and sitting next to me is my lovely wife and co-host, Gina. That's me. That is you. And together we are Mental Illness Theater. We try to be. Ah. We try to bring it. Awareness? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, awareness, sure. No treatment, though. Mm, mm. Yeah, you can be as aware as you want, but... Can I get any treatment? No, no. God, no. So do you want to hear a story on this fine night? Yes. Well, tonight we are following up on part two of uh, the Eustacia story that we started last week. And this is the uh, the heavy bit. The last week was just set up and fun and good times. And here are the camps and here are the people. And this is what's going to happen. And then, of course, this week is this is what happened. So I hope you're ready. Oh, <laughs> I'm... And we're Never ready for we're that. We're raw dogging this one. No edibles whatsoever for this one. So no. Just raw dogging. That's what we do. As the wild Eustacia ravaged the country, and the Eustacia government moved to consolidate its power and implement its racist ideology, concentration and extermination camps started popping up all over Croatia. Good times. In total, 40 camps were built by the Eustacia in Croatia, with 16 of these being specifically extermination camps. Oof. So not just concentrating them, but this is where... Well, I mean, you gotta have the shelters and the kill shelters. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for that. That's a wonderful way to put it. Yeah. I mean, it's not a terrible analogy, though. Nope. Because that's basically what it is. So, yeah, they have 16 kill shelters in Croatia. Yeah. And by but for humans. Yeah. And by building this web of camps in their own country, the Ustasha became the only Quisling government to build concentration camps on its own soil. Now, Quisling government, really quickly, are the ones that basically... Like, the Norwegians had a Quisling government. That's where it comes from. Their prime minister, was his last name is Quisling. Can't remember his fucked up Norwegian first name, but he's a Norwegian who decided to work with the Nazis and they didn't set up extermination camps and no other country that had their own people running for the Nazis. Do you know what I mean? So like in Norway, it's a Norwegian. In Croatia, it's the Croatians, whereas other places, it's the Nazis taking over for okay. that country. Like, France is split because they have Vichy France, which is administered by the French, and then they have the German-controlled, which is administered by the Germans. Guess which one's worse? Probably Germans. Yeah, you nailed it. So that's just it. A lot of places basically looked at and said, one way or another, the Nazis are going to be controlling us. Do we want a government that's our own people working with the Nazis, or do we want the Nazis hands-on in our country running shit? Probably better to have a puppet. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a hard fucking choice. Not one I want to have. Mm -mm. But of those countries, and I can't, I know Slovakia is what Hungary goes along with and shit, but uh, this is the only one to set up concentration camps in its own fucking country. Lovely. Mm -mm. Well, where else were we going to put them? So we don't have to drive them as far. We're already here. The largest of these camps was the Yasenovich concentration camp. And this was completed in August 1941, so pretty early after, you know, um, the Ustasha takes over, because they take over in the spring of 41. But first, we're going to focus on some of the earlier, smaller camps, the temporary ones that happened in the early times, basically where you, the initial concentration of the minority groups into these camps, and you clear them out, and then you get rid of the camp. Because some of these camps, holy fucking shit, are some of the worst. 
I bring you the best stories. You do. They're very cheerful. And another part before we start describing the camps. The kill shelters. The kill shelters. A thing that the Ustasha did with their camps that was pretty unique was they built specific women's and children's camps. And this was not the standard World War II. Usually, like the Nazis, they would have a camp and they would have a wing that was for women or children. But they wouldn't set up specific camps independently for, you know, women or children. It would be part of the same complex. Eustasha, on the other hand, made specific women and children camps. One such camp was the Sisic concentration camp near the city of Sisic in central Croatia. This camp was split into two complexes, one that was run by the Nazis and operated from 1941 to 45, and Sisic II, a camp specifically set up to house Serbian, Jewish, and Roma children. Well... You gotta throw them somewhere. I mean, they're just the seeds of the people we don't want anyway, so, you know, we're just skipping the middleman here. Yeah. Sisic <sighs> 2 only existed for about six months between July 1942 and January 1943, with the first group of 906 children arriving on August 3rd, an additional 650 children arriving the following day, and a third group of 1,272 children showing up on August 6th. Eventually, the camp held over 6,000 children between the ages of 3 and 16. That's my fucking nightmare. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I am not a violent person whatsoever, but if you made me a guard in a camp with 6,000 fucking children, 16 or under, I might kill someone. I would. <laughs> my wife with a hot take here. I would. There's no question. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a video today of a toddler who <laughs> was basically my brother, and I realized that, Jesus Christ, I have PTSD from that. Like, <laughs> the level of tantrums that he would throw and the fact that everything had to be catered to that yeah. just to avoid them. So, yeah, no. you 6,000 children who've been ripped away from their parents and are being horrifically abused... I'm going to snap. Now, to be fair, they're going to be so weak from malnutrition and the conditions in overall, they're going to be pretty easy to deal with. Yeah, I don't think they have the energy for a tantrum. Still. And plus, I can't relate. I was the youngest. Uh, it has nothing to do with being the youngest. Yeah, it's usually the younger child who, you know, has more tantrum. You know what I mean? Like You get away with more, but there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just because it's witnessed by the older sibling like if you're the oldest sibling and you have a tantrum who but your parents remembers that <clears throat> right whereas you're the younger one there's a sibling there to be like holy fucking shit you little monster conditions at Sisic 2 were just as terrible as any adult camp with an inadequate shelter food and sanitation so none of these things no the shelter, why, why bother yeah we're gonna kill you anyway yeah you understand. You're good I mean, at this. I don't see why we're wasting time even making camps. Why don't we just kill them? Well, we'll get to where they do that, too. I mean... Oh, yeah. I, it would not be good if I were on the wrong side. and Like, if I were an evil person, <laughs> I'm very efficient. I don't understand. Why are we wasting this time? Why just are we fucking why, kill them. Why are we putting these... Why are we feeding them and sheltering them? What well, the fuck? Why are we putting these stupid hoops if, in front of ourselves to jump through? That's what I'm saying. Like, if we view these people as lesser and we want to exterminate them, why are we wasting time and resources? You would have done really well at this. Yeah, I would not have been good. 
but... The genocide master. Yeah, but... I'm not a fan of genocide. No. Just saying. Yeah. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to. Yeah, I don't understand the lack of efficiency in genocide when, like... You know what you're doing. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Why are you housing them? Who are you lying to? Right? Who Who are you trying to make this look good for? What is the point of this? I know. You've got a point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to kill people, but yeah. If you're gonna do it, do it. Yeah, in a genocidal situation. Yeah, no, I, I don't understand, understand that. the fucking dicking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just seems like yeah. The dicking around in genocide. Yeah, man. Get to it. Chop, <laughs> chop. Time is money. Seriously. Oh god. We're wasting time and resources on people that we view as extermination. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also part of it too, is you use them for the labor that they can give until they die. I, I, I mean, I agree. Like, what are you going for? Are you going for extermination of a race? Yeah, right. Or are you going like, for what is the fucking killing a ton of them and using the labor that they can give in the meantime? Right. Yeah. It's just either way. I don't want to be part of any of no. it. No. 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 <laughs> so at Sisic Two, malnutrition and dysentery just pretty much was an everyday occurrence, and just like the adult camps, guards and staff seemed to delight in torturing the children prisoners. Because, wow. I mean... They're here. You're going to torture something, and if it's only children, it's going to be a child. Yeah. Sissek II was administered by Anton Nadzer. I don't know how to pronounce it. N-A-J-Z-E-R. Yeah. I tried, but that one was fucked. He was a physician by trade who would conduct metal, medical experiments on the children before murdering them by lethal injection. Uh-huh. There's not Kill much. Shelter. Yeah. But See why I keep drawing with, that comparison. With an experimental like... doctor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to fuck around a little bit. See what I can do. And then just gonna... Now, I couldn't find much info in English on this guy, but apparently he is known as the Croatian Mengele. Yeah. So wow. he was having a time and a half. Yeah. Did he make any skin lamps? I really don't know because there's so little about this yeah. guy. Like, Blurbs. That's all you can find in English is that this guy existed and he did medical experiments at Sisic 2 camp. And I, I'm not ready to sharpen up my Croatian or Serbian to go deeper. I know. Such a lightweight. I have to train a Serbian producer this week. Nice. Yeah. Belgrade? I think so, actually. Yeah. I should check. It's either going to be that or like Novosad. Yeah. yeah. Pretty sure it's Belgrade. The main method of killing the children at the camp, though, was feeding them gruel laced with lye. <laughs> the, Tasty. The Minister of the Interior of the NDH, so the Cro- like Croatia under the Eustasha, went so far as to order Sisic II and all children's camps to use lye, quote, in order to exterminate the children in a timely manner. See, he was going for efficiency. He was, and this is like the interior of the Minister of the Interior. This is like yeah. a ma- this isn't some wingnut in the no, government. No. This is a guy dictating fucking. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. As was further explained, they saw Serbian children as quote seeds of the beast, and thus they had to be exterminated in order for Croatia to flourish. Well, yeah. <laughs> Dubrilla Kukol, a survivor from the camp, later recalled, quote, entering the concentration camp was the same thing as entering a death club ruled only by the lawless and madness. 
where you could hear only screams, crying, and moaning all the way to the sky. One sight that still freezes the blood in my veins is running from the Ustashis, who were capturing little girls and then brutalizing them. That's when I accidentally stepped on a newborn lying on the ground. The cry it let out still rings in my ears. I bet it would. Yep. Yeah. I stepped on a dog's paw, and I still remember that sound. Right? Yeah. 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 <sighs> In its five-month existence, an estimated 1,100 to 1,500 children were killed at the Sissek 2 camp. That's out of the 6,000 kids that went there. They could have done better. They really could have done better. Like, what are you up to? Right? At Seriously. Best, at best, you kill the quarter. Yeah. Children. Yeah. Get to it. Right? God. They're little. The fuck? We are not condoning, we're just saying, I mean... Yeah, your numbers aren't aren't great here. But that is part of the Eustacia. They're not so much about numbers, they just want brutal killings. Like, as we'll see, there's never really systematic. It's more of just brutal. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Not saying that it wasn't a genocide, either. No, no, it absolutely is. It's just so fucking... Yeah. My efficient... It's just like, I hate it. Uh, no, I totally get what you're doing. What are you doing here? Yeah. What, what's the end goal? What yeah. are you doing? Why are you dicking around? Yeah. If you're doing it, doing it. If you're not doing it, do something else. Yeah. God. I'm so glad I married you. <laughs> <laughs> the get it done attitude towards genocide. I mean, if you're doing it, just fucking do it. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Love you. Love you too. Woo! <laughs> But yeah, I don't get the dipping of a toe. Just, mm. oh, we're just going to experiment with this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we killed like a quarter of them. They're kids. We could have killed them all. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could get efficient and kill 6,000 kids in a day. Like, what the fuck, man? Love you. <laughs> Love you, too. No, it's very true. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, because it's... I get you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? What is your end goal? Seriously. <laughs> Were you just using them as footballs? Like, I don't get it. They were used... That's basically it. I mean, they were using them for sport, really. Because we'll see, too. The prison, like, routinely would make bets about who could kill more or in the most creative ways. Slaying a camp on the island of Pog was a terrible example of these... Is it just, like, a fucking frat house for killing? Yeah, pretty... That's not about... <laughs> take a frat house and make them absolutely psychotic yeah. and just send people in that they're allowed to kill with yeah. no ramifications. What do you think's gonna happen? Watch this, bro. Yeah. Like, don't even tell them they're allowed to kill. Just keep sending people in and give them weapons and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or even you should tell them to kill because the guards knew. See how fast it takes to get completely out of control. Yeah, right. Slender camp... Go nuts. Or slain a camp on the island of Pog was a terrible example of these early and short-lived extermination camps. Operating from June to August 1941, at least 4,000 and as many as 12,000 prisoners were summarily executed, mostly Jews but also large amounts of Serbs, Roma, and of course any other dissenter that got in the way. Mm. Fuck you. What'd you just say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the train. Let me use my coffee mug today. During the first months, most of these executions were done by throwing people off of cliffs and into natural sinkholes and caves around just the island. So they're literally using the island itself Whoop. 
as a means of execution. That's the lazy way. It really is. If they couldn't find a sinkhole or cave, they would go to their usual hand-to-hand craftsman style of killing. You know, because they do like the hand-to-hands. Get in there, really feel it. But when trainload after trainload of prisoners kept showing up, the killings became more systematic just to keep up with the pace. Mm. The guards started using machine guns and one-shot executions to speed the process, making sure the majority of the bodies fell into a body of water so they didn't have to worry about burial. Well, I don't want to clean them up. You were talking about efficiency. Yeah. These guys are efficient. Yeah. <laughs> they got it. Now, like, I think I mentioned in part one, but basically after the invasion of Yugoslavia by the Axis powers, the Ustasha got the majority of what was Yugoslavia, but... All the other places got a little chunk, too. And the one that's important to us right now is the Italians. Because basically the Italians... The Italians... The Italians occupied a place very close to this island. Italians. <laughs> the Italians. So they're posted close to this island and they start hearing rumors. And then they became very suspicious when drinking water around the region started to become contaminated because of the pure volume of bodies being thrown oh, into natural sinkholes and into the water table. Just don't worry about it. It's fine, buddy. The problem became so bad that the Italians decided to send a medical team to investigate. But they showed up just weeks after the Eustacia had abandoned the camp. <laughs> Fuck. This poor medical team, man. Shit. Okay, think of it. You're just sending... You're in the Italian army, the one of the worst armies in the Second World War, and you luck out in the middle. Like, this is probably the most intense fighting of the war. And you luck out to be posted to fucking Yugoslavia. Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden, your water starts tasting like fucking decomposing bodies. Then you show up to see what happens, and the place is abandoned, and guess what you find? A few bodies? <laughs> Just like, Yeah. <laughs> so they showed up just a few weeks after the Eustacia had abandoned the camp, and from the start, the medical team dug up almost 800 bodies from mass graves around the camp. So these are the ones they actually did bury. The youngest of these victims was a five-month-old infant. Now we get into a report of the scene. Quote, after the first five to twenty centimeters of earth, so not very fucking much. No, just a dusting. A dusting was removed. We saw many hands, often bound, bare feet, sometimes with shoes, heads looking upwards or with necks exposed. Although we had already got used to limbs and heads sticking out, there was something particular about the way they had been buried. The proof that they had been buried mortally wounded but still alive were distorted and terrible facial expressions of most corpses. In some places, there were five layers of corpses in some less. We found machine gun shells near the pit, and on many corpses we could see mortal wounds made with knives on chests, backs, and necks. One young woman had her breast completely cut off with a sharp weapon. We found only women and children in two pits, while in the others, men, women, and children were buried together. This medical team later estimated that eight to 9,000 had been killed at Slana Camp that summer. So as we saw in part one, relations with the Vatican and Croatia were strained. Pretty fucking weird. Like, they had their observer and whatnot, but they didn't actually recognize the Eustacia, blah, blah, blah. 
But how involved was the Croat Catholic Church with the Eustacia, and more importantly, the slaughter going on around them? Well, enter Miroslav Filopovich, a motherfucking Franciscan friar who rejected a religious post in Croatia when they took power, and instead joined a Eustacia military unit as a chaplain. So instead of accepting a post in the church, he goes and actually like joins the Eustacia and is a chaplain in the military. Well, yeah. In this capacity, he took part in at least one massacre where more than 2,300 Serbs were murdered, mostly with axes or pickaxes. Yeah. And this was in February 1942. <laughs> I would have gotten slick. Icy. Oh, Jesus, yeah. They got some bad winter. Yeah, right? Just fucking pickaxe and serves in this Croatian winter. Yeah. Just mountains and snow and misery and Blood screaming people. Freezing and yeah. yeah, it shows up so much more in the snow. Yeah, and it's gonna freeze. Yep. Well just like the ice, I mean, one of our earliest episodes uh was the Clint Malarchuk injury. And uh, if you've ever watched that, wow Yeah. Those two things, you see all that blood and it freezes fast. Yep. <laughs> The Nazi observer in the area, the aforementioned Edmund Glaze Horsnow, who's also, his name is now, it's now a brand of German shitting tables. Horsnow. He sent a report back to Germany that implicated Filopovich in the massacre. The report said that Filopovich had been, had not only been present during the massacre, he had also attended a meeting for the planning of it, and that was with a number of other Catholic priests. Well, yeah. Are there any pretty boys? Because we'd save them. I'm just we'd saying. Kill them later, but, you know. Once again, I am not promoting the Nazis or anything, but I don't think they had actual priests. I don't think so. No, planning their fucking exterminations. Mm. Yeah. Under pressure from the Nazis... Falopovich was actually court-martialed by the Eustacia. That's how far, like, this guy went. <laughs> he was that bad that even the Nazis were like, dude, you, you need to punish this man for what he's doing. <laughs> wow. He was suspended from his chaplaincy post, though he was not excommunicated by the Vatican. Of course not. Another camp survivor, Tom O'Krakich, described seeing Falopovich very often shooting prisoners during public executions and forcing prisoners to kill other prisoners with sledgehammers. Well, I mean, it amuses me. Right? That's what I was talking about earlier. Like, it doesn't seem so much about efficiency and getting that number up there. They like the craftsmanship of it. They like getting their hands... I don't even think that that's craftsmanship. There's no creativity. They're just... Oh, uh, they get creative. But no, it's not. It's more about just brutality. Yeah. Like, absolute... Like, what's more brutal... Yeah, they're just monsters. Yeah, what's more brutal than making another person sledgehammer and... Or one right. person sledgehammer another person to death. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure there are things, but that's... That's gonna that's be up, up there. there. That's gonna be way up there. I hope it's way up there. <laughs> I thought you were trying to think of something else. Was no, wondering. I was just, just thinking like, it's probably not as up there as we think it is, sadly. I'm sure there's lots of creative tortures out there. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh. 
Other witnesses said that uh, Filopovich would make bets with the guards on who could kill more inmates or kill them in the most oh, yeah. brutal ways. Yeah, which is very, yeah, very, very, very common. Filopovich then turned up in the biggest camp, Yesenovich, first as an inmate, but a protective one, before he quickly progressed to being the chief guard in the camp. So I'm assuming I couldn't find, once again, there's not much in English, but I'm assuming he ended up in the camp because of um, being court-martialed. From the prior, you know, the Nazis pressured um, the Ustasha to court martial and whatnot. So I assume he ended up in this camp as a protected inmate. And then, because that's the way it works, you know, they saw this guy is a fucking sadist. Yeah. Even as a prisoner, he's torturing other prisoners. Make that man a guard. Yeah, right. And then, you know. Clearly on our side. Yep. Bootstrapped it to the main guard of the camp. Of course he did. It's a bootstrap story, honey. So Filopovich's sadistic, sadistic nature made him a perfect person to thrive in this environment, and he was given the name Mestorovich, meaning master, which described his overall presence in the camp. He was the master. He liked to be called daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call him daddy. I got you. I mean, it's true, though, because this guy's nickname... This is Brother Satan. Yeah. Yep. Call me Daddy Satan. Yeah, this is Brother Satan. Let me double check, is it? Yeah, this is definitely Brother Satan. Call me Daddy. <sighs> God, I hate this fucking quote. Why did we have to re-record this one? I know, I'm so upset. <laughs> God. In the words uh, of Survivor. Too sober for this. <laughs> Egon Berger, quote, The priestly face of Mastorovich, all made up and powdered, dressed in an elegant suit and green hunter's hat, watched with delight the victims. He approached the children, even stroked their heads. Mestrovich told the mothers there will now be a baptism for their children. <laughs> they took the children from the mothers, the child whom Father Mestrovich was carrying in his child's innocence, caressed the painted face of his killer. The mothers, distraught, perceived the situation. They offered their lives for the mercy of their children. Two children were placed on the ground, while the third was thrown like a ball into the air, and Mastorovich, holding a dagger upwards, missed three times, while the fourth time, with a joke and a laugh, a child was impaled on the dagger. Mothers began throwing themselves on the ground, pulling their hair, and began to shout terribly. Eustacia guards took them away and killed them. Oh, when, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Whew. When all three children were so brutally killed, these three two-legged beasts exchanged money because they seemed to have a bet on who would first stick a dagger in a child. It's not even cool, man. No, so Filopovich... Phil- like, just losers. Yeah, Mastorovich, the master. Hmm. Walks in all made up with an elegant suit and a fucking cool green hat. Probably had a feather in it. What a fucking wanker. Yeah. <laughs> These guys as a whole, you could just say. Oh, yeah, no, they're all awful. Yeah. But some of the things... They're that, wankers. They're just... Yeah. Man. According to another survivor, Filopovich was in charge of all the killings at the Yesenovich camp. It was also rumored he sometimes wore his Franciscan robes as he participated in the killings. Of and was thus given the nickname Brother Satan. Which, I mean, apt. Mm, I hate him. 
Some nicknames are more apt than others, and Brother Satan for this guy, Filopovich, works. Totos. Yeah. Holy shit. As mentioned, the largest camp was the Yesenovich camp, which was not a single camp, but a complex of five, with a total capacity of 7,000 people. It began as Yasinovich 1 and 2, camps that were built quickly during the start of the Eustachi's reign. So these were just throw together, get them up, we got some camps, let's get this started. From these two, they were used as the base for building Yasinovich 3, also known as the Brickyard. This is because it has a gigantic furnace for making bricks. And that furnace could be used for other things, I which we'll see. convenient. <laughs> right? And Yasinovich III was built, or was completed in the fall of 1941, at which point the first two camps were dissolved with the prisoners either moved to the brickyard or just simply left to die. Yeah. You guys are too sick. Thanks for building it. You're too sick to live there now. Yeah, fuck it. Bye. See ya. Not that I have ever worked instruction on places that I would never be able to afford to live in, but not quite the same. Right. Not exactly the same. They didn't leave you to die. They didn't. Thankfully. I mean, construction's rough. Those guys are fucking assholes, but... They didn't leave you to die. No one ever left me to die. Yeah. In late 1941, Vyukoslav Luberich used the knowledge he had gained in Germany to streamline the Ustasha's death camp process. And in January 1942, he ordered the building of a fourth... Or, camp... Jesus. A fourth camp at the Esenovich complex. This camp focused on leather production, and as such, was known as the tannery. Well, we got all the skin. Ha <laughs> oh, Fuck. I was gonna do the tannery joke, because, I mean, processing leather is a disgusting, horrible process. Damn it, we got all the skin. <laughs> and you went straight to the human skin. <laughs> Why waste it? This is from the ba- or the child camp. This is baby skin. Yeah, it's soft. I daggered this fucker myself. I put my powder on my face. I don't like Brother Satan. No. <laughs> but I'm sure this was a great camp because, I mean, Jesus, a tannery itself is bad enough. A tannery in a fucking concentration death camp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At best, you're standing in urine all day. Stomping At worst, on leather. you're processing human skins in urine all day. <laughs> yeah, well, being beaten by a guard because mm-hmm. you're not stomping in the urine hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that you're going in the urine <laughs> later. Oh, God. Finally, a fifth camp that... That... Finally, a fifth camp known as Yesenovich V, or Stargradiska, was built specifically to house women and children. Because, mm. you know, they need their own space. Their safe space. It was very safe. Very safe at all. Luberich became the commander of the Asinovich camp, and in a short time, he found a protege that was just as terrible as he was. They love when that happens. He swiped right and just found the right person. Oh, this guy. Yeah, that one. Yeah. He's literally turning a baby inside out in his profile picture. Such a judge joke. <laughs> That's how I got you. It That's is. One of the reasons you swiped right. Why are there no Jim Jones jokes? Mm. The punchline is too long. As you can probably tell from this podcast, I've never 
gone for mass appeal ever in my life in any way, shape, or form. Thus, a Jim Jones joke on my Tinder profile. It worked. It did. Mm-hmm. I swiped right. And then two months later, whoop, married. So this guy, Darko Sakic, had started working at the camps in 1941 at the tender age of 19. And Lubert seemed to have instantly recognized the young man's predilection for savagery. Oh, this guy, man. He's a draft pick. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to groom him right good. Ugh. The next year, at the age of 20, Sakic was made the assistant commander of the camps. This is also under Lubarich's first cousin, Lubo Milos. So it's a little incesty here. Lubo, Lubo. Lubo. And in this role, he began ordering and taking part in the majority of the executions at Yasinovich. By April 1944, he became the commander of the entire camp at the age of 22. So the biggest camp, the biggest extermination camp in this entire fucking deal, in 1944, is being run by a 22-year-old dude. I mean... Who's been doing this since 1941. So he's a veteran. Yeah. He's a veteran... Oh, God. He's a veteran genocider at 22. That's healthy. I feel sick. Why did I write this one? This is my birthday episode. Yeah, you wanted this. (laughs) Oh, and the throne... You wanted this. Sakic also loved using flamethrowers for torture. Yeah. So he would just cook people with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then it became more of a family affair when Lubarich's half-sister, Nada, who had been working at the camp since she was 16, married Sakic in 1943. Oh, yeah. Young love. Young love in the fucking concentration camp. (laughs) <laughs> we really bonded tearing that one Serb to pieces. That is not how we bonded. No, we pitchforked his intestines over the tree so, you know, all the other Serbs would see it the next day. <sighs> I just like watching the birds come. <laughs> Later, when Sakic became camp commander, Nada, who was always in a green Ustasha uniform, Carrying a gun and with a dagger in her boot, enjoyed whipping inmates, tearing earrings and ears off of people, and administering severe beatings whenever she could. Oh, yeah. So she's a peach. Unlike the extermination camps of the Nazis, like we've seen, Yesenovich and overall the Ustashi, they specialized in brutal manual murders. The artisanal, handmade. Yes. Yeah. Locally sourced. (laughs) A little sweating there. Ugh. Some of the methods used by the Ustashi were systematic starvation, death by intentional infections, stabbing or slashings, nailing inmates to trees, drowning, being thrown into furnaces alive, hanging, shooting, bludgeoning, and smashing children against walls. Yeah, so yeah. good old-fashioned baby tree style. Yeah. It works, so... There are also stories and pictures of inmates, because I've seen this, with a tree felling saw, so the one you need one guy on one side and one guy on the other, yeah. chopping the head off of a dude. Yeah. With like five or six of them. It's not a fun way to go. Frack boys standing around like a big thumbs up with this guy with, and it's obviously not just on his neck. It's in there, but he's still alive. Oh yeah, because it doesn't go all the way through. Right one of those pictures I really wish I hadn't seen. Yeah. No. <laughs> Memory burn! Not good. No, seared in there. Mm. You gotta sear it so it locks in the flavor. 
They don't want the flavor. <laughs> the flavor of PTSD. <laughs> so the scene on arriving at Yasinovich was similar to other concentration camps during World War II. Packed into trucks or trains, groups of Serbs, Romani, and Jews, and, you know, any assorted dissenters were met by guards at the gates of the camp. From there, the guards would start abusing the new inmates and break them into groups. First were the skilled tradesmen who could be used in the camp, so you have a pretty value. good... You have a value and some kind of a chance. You don't want to let them know that you're a plumber. Oh, there's no plumbing. Mm. You're useless to us here. After the skilled tradesmen, then there were those who were capable of doing labor until they were worked completely to death. Well, yeah. And the third group, the worst group to be in, were the second just people. They decided, yeah, we don't even want you in the camp. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Worst group or best group? Uh, honestly, yeah. If you're at the camp, that's what I'm saying. Probably the best group. Yep. Just let's do this fast. Yep. Oh, you're throwing me in a furnace. Can I take it back? Ah, fuck. Sounds better than being worked to death, starved to death, slowly. Yeah. With months of torture, along the way. Because it really seems like the first two, or the sorry, the last two groups, they're both fucked. Oh yeah. Because all of the. You're all fucked. Yeah, all the eyewitness shit that I could find, it was almost all tradespeople of some type. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> you have a use, so. Yep. Yeah. In the labor camps, prisoners were made to work 12 or more hours a day. I mean, 12 if you're lucky. 12 was a Christmas day. Yeah. Yeah, you only have to work half the day. And during that, of course, they would be beaten by guards if they weren't working fast enough or had an attitude or looked at them sideways or whatever fucking reason. One survivor of the camp, a Serbian barber named Borislav Seva, later wrote, quote, The guards could kill me if they wanted to. They would be responsible to no one. A Yasinovich, any Eustacia lowlife could kill an inmate whenever he felt like doing so. Then when the guards would get bored... They would make the fucking inmates kill each other. Oh, yeah. And many times they would force, especially the Romani, to do this. First, they would make the Romani dig the graves for the mass executions. Then, usually with hammers, because they're horrible people, they would set them on the victims to fill said graves. Well, yeah. If the guards were feeling particularly fun that day, they might force the uh, the killers to rape the victims first, regardless of sex or gender. Well, I mean, we just want to see some free porn. And especially with Romani, because these are terrible people, sometimes they get them to violate the corpses. Well, yeah. They're going full penguin. <laughs> Wait, penguins do that? Yep. They're corpse fuckers? Yes! I mean, it's cold. Can't tell the difference. I didn't know. Penguins are horrible. That's a bad defense. I didn't know she was dead when I had sex with her. I thought she was just almost dead. Hey, I like my way of getting out of murder. I didn't kill the woman. I simply had sex with her body and left my ejaculate inside. It's not a great way. I mean, I... No, fuck, that's bad. <laughs> That'll be cut. That was your husband saying that. Eh? Penguins! <laughs> A 
And as we mentioned in the first episode, the Serb Cutter was a particularly favorite weapon of the Ustashi. And it was a truly horrible, awful weapon. So basically, imagine a leather gauntlet. Oh, I don't want to. I had to do this already. Yeah, that goes around your hand, fingerless, thumbless, so just around your hand yeah. and around the rest, and then a little knife comes out of the pinky side. Yeah. And that's basically it. It's curved a little bit back towards your body, and it's made for slashing, stabbing, gouging. Just take your fucking pack. It's sharp and pointy. Originally, it was used to thresh wheat, but, you know, firm we weapons... Are. It makes such effective killing weapons. There's nothing like using a hoe to hack someone to death mm. to show you mean business. <sighs> so after these initial executions, so we're still at the start of the camp. We just got in. Everyone's been split into groups. A couple have been killed. Now we get into it. So after these initial executions to scare the shit out of the new prisoners, they were then robbed of any valuables they had with them and taken to the barracks. Welcome to your new home. (laughs) Your home is no more. Mm. Your life is no more. Guess how the conditions of the barracks were? Spotless. Five star. Yeah. Mm. They were pretty much indescribably bad. Mm Mm-hmm. They were a little more than poorly built large shacks that did not keep the elements out in any way, shape, or form. So, rain, sleet, hail, it all comes inside. Doesn't wasps. matter. <laughs> Fucking death wasps. You're praying for wasps that'll kill you at that point. They lacked any semblance of sanitation, with no water, no plumbing, and bodies were left until guards decided to move them. I don't feel like it right now. And because of the conditions of the camp, I mean, vermin, take your pick, they were there and they were enjoying it. Because the worse the human condition gets, the better the vermin condition oh, yeah. gets. Party time. Yeah, right? And accompanied with that, of course, was every disease under the fucking sun. You name it, you can get it at these camps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without even trying. Sure, a few new diseases were created there. Uh, God. Just dysentery mixed with whatever liquid shit fest <laughs> speaking of squalor and shit let's talk about the toilet situation with no running water open latrines with shaky planks over them were the norm at the camp and it was very common for inmates to just slip out of exhaustion while they're trying to take a poop and fall into the open latrine there they are drowning in shit yep and there they would drown in the scum of human feces and waste below If they were struggling to get out and a guard was having a bad day, the guard might just put his head, or his foot, on the prisoner's head and drown them in the muck. Well, of course. You know. On top of that, there was the misery of the complete lack of drinkable water in the camp. There was virtually none. There was no drinkable water, and inmates were forced to drink from the nearby Sava River which usually wouldn't be a problem, except the main killing ground for the camp was just across the Sava River. Wow. So this camp sits on the Sava, and just on the other bank is where our main... When we do mass executions, this is where we do them. Want to go camping there? No. No, camping on the Sava. I'll pass. So obviously, being next to the killing ground... Throwing bodies in the river was the main method of body disposal for, you know, the camp. And the river was also used as a toilet. 
So the Sava was heavily polluted, leaving inmates to drink from a river polluted with bodies and poop constantly floating in it. Enjoy. Yeah, this camp sounds awesome. I mean, I had a bad summer camp experience, but it wasn't this bad. I told you about my summer camp experience. My parents sent me to a Bible camp by mistake. Mm. I think you comment in Nova Scotia. Too many Bible camps. Yeah, I it was... sent to camp at all. It so. was fucking weird, and I still remember... Uh, it was very, very, very bad. So one account of uh, these... So one account of this execution site, which was known as Gradina, was by a Serbian barber called Borislav Borislav Sava, and he had a quote a little bit earlier. He was called to the Gradina by a few guards to cut their hair and shave them while they were working, which means murdering the shit out of everyone there. Oh, yeah. Quote, Eustaches were making a fire. Here and there they made a fire. They made holders for a spit and got closer to the fire. They brought one in chains. He was so tied in chains, arms tied. They toppled him down to the ground. They took the spit. They pierced him in the ass. Legs tied on the spit holders and roast him alive. Sounds like fun. Happy birthday! Happy birthday. Still a quote. They eat and drink next to him. They're drunk. They're having fun and enjoying themselves. They drink next to him and eat. How could they eat and drink? Now they are singing. It is not far from me. Some 10 to 15 meters, so 30 to 45 feet away. What can I do? That was the worst scene for me. There were five or six Eustaches. Those were not gypsies. Gypsies would beat you to death with mallets. That's different. So a little bit of a hard translation, but still, you get... This poor fucker's cutting the hair of like six guards who were roasting a man. They just spit it mm. through the ass. And then they're sitting and drinking, having a laugh about it, singing a song. Ah. I feel good. Better get the haircuts right, or you're fucking next. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Focus. It's haircut. You better focus on the work. Yeah, but not the screaming? Yeah. Because I'm sure there's a lot of screaming. Ah, uh, he's going to die pretty quick. Spit up his ass. Well, being roasted alive, I would hope you'd die pretty quick, but yeah. I would think you probably wouldn't. Uh, I'm sure they found a way to make it not quick. That's, yeah, it's... Not necessarily a quick death. No. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the killing ground where they're just dumping all the bodies into the river, yeah. which is the only river to drink from. Perfect. Wonderful. Living their best life. Now we roll into the food situation. Almost every meal was straight up starch and water. So just... Oh, yeah. Have some flour. Have some flour. Varying in, varying in consistency from almost water to a thin gruel. Every, every now and then, dinner would be a soup of water with a few cabbage leaves floating in it. So, you know, there's your, your su- that's your Sunday dish. Get your nutrition. Mm. All food in the camp was served in the only personal possession inmates were allowed to have outside of their clothes. A 0.14 liter or 14 fluid ounce bowl. And if an inmate lost their bowl, they would not be given any food. Of course not. Life in the camp was so dire that a major problem for the inmates was having their food bowl stolen by another inmate so they could defecate in it. Mm-hmm. 
So sorry you can't eat today, but... I need to poop. I got the cabbage shits. Yeah. And it's now in your food bowl. And there's no water. No, there's not. Go clean it in the river. Mm. Which, oh, God. At least there's not a body floating in your bowl. Yeah. You're going to get poop either way. The poop is part of the equation now. It is. Could you imagine the smell of this camp? Fuck. In the winter of 1941-42, rough conditions and exposure to the elements caused serious health problems to the inmates of Yasinovich. Some 300 inmates were held in a barracks used as a, quote, hospital, where gravely ill and feeble inmates were kept with no care whatsoever. (laughs) On February 1st, 1942, the hospital was liquidated with any of the remaining inmates being straight up executed to free up the space for other sick patients to repeat the process. I don't see why they were bothering letting them linger out in the first place. Yeah, right? Why even... Yeah. But there's that's my efficient side kicking in with... What are you guys doing? A lot of your actions are just fucking stupid. But it's part of the torture, too. We want you to suffer sick for a while. Then we'll let you die. <sighs> so all of this was so bad that the Nazis grew frustrated with Ustashi, but not because of their vicious methods... They got pissed off because they weren't focusing enough on the Jews. You gotta get the numbers up, man. Right, you're you're heading... not being efficient. You're fucking just all over the place. Get your shit together. Kill the people we want you to kill. You're killing the wrong subhumans. Yeah. Get in you, line. You're killing the wrong subset of subhumans. Right? If you want to kill that set of subhumans, you gotta kill our set of subhumans first. There's lots of time, guys. Yeah. This is the thousand year Reich and we're not going anywhere. Get to it. <laughs> The leader of the Eustasha, Antipavlich, went so far as to call the Jews only the third biggest problem to a sovereign Croatian state. But under increasing pressure from their Nazi overlords, the Eustasha would focus more and more on the Jews as the exterminations went on. Well, we gotta do what we gotta do. We gotta keep, you know, our boss happy. Yeah. Always gotta keep the boss happy. Keep him sweet. Right. Don't want him all up your ass watching everything you're doing. No. Definitely don't want him in here. No, no. In some ways, the Eustachians like me. Avoid your boss at all fucking costs. The total number of victims killed in Yasinovich during the war is highly disputed, but over 80,000 victims have been identified, with some estimates going as high as 700,000 in some post-war reports. Though this seems a little high, and the usual count is about 100,000, but some Serbian estimates put it much higher. Funny thing is, though, this is such a propaganda tool in Croatia and Serbia now, it's really hard to pin down numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And just like to point out once again, all of this went on with the full knowledge of the church. Our favorite guy, Father Krunislav Draganovic, worked as the fucking camp chaplain at Yasinovich and this was after his term stealing the property of Eustache's victims in the Bureau of Internal Colonization because if you remember from episode one he's the guy when these people were carted off he took control of all the property and of course it all went to the state yeah he did not make himself rich no 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 yeah so now he's showing up as the camp chaplain at Yasinovich and it's like fuck man you're just a scumbag not surprisingly, the Ustashi's insane tactics made them extremely unpopular in their country, regardless of race or religion. 
especially by the end. Of course, the Croatians were big into them at the start, but honestly, even by the end, it was kind of like, this is out of control. Yeah. Like, fucking shit is, whoa, what happened here? And by the time the Ustasha fell, all but the real hardliners had stopped supporting them. Even the fucking Nazi SS was shocked at the Ustasha's methods. You just make it a mess, man. <laughs> Polluting your own rivers and shit. Stop playing with your food. Yeah. It's, I don't I don't mean they're eating them, but that's all I can think of with the Nazis. Like an annoyed parent trying to tell their fucking kid to stop being such a mess. Yeah, because you guys are a disaster. Stop messing this up and do something productive. Yeah. No! I'm going to rub the ketchup all over my face. Perfect. Fuck. In a report sent straight to the head honcho of the Waffen-SS, Heinrich the Dick Himmler, it was stated, quote, Increased activity of the bands is chiefly due to atrocities carried out by Ustashi units in Croatia against the Orthodox population. When they say the bands, that's bands of partisans. These are the people who basically free Yugoslavia at the end of the war. So this is the bands of partisans that are coming up against the Ustasha. The Ustasha committed their deeds in a bestial manner, not only against males of conscript age, but especially against helpless old people, women, and children. The number of the Orthodox that the Croats have massacred and sadistically tortured to death is about 300,000. And this was in 1942. Yeah. So it only got worse. Yeah, like I mentioned, the overall brutality of the Ustasha was a huge factor in the rise of the partisans in Yugoslavia. Now, they could be their own episode, but in very short, this is where Marshal Tito comes from at the end of the war and rules over Yugoslavia until 1980, because he could legitimately say, we didn't side with anyone and we fought these... Did you see who we fought? Yeah. They were literal human... They had a brother, Satan. As with the total deaths at Yasinovich... The total number of people murdered by the Ustasha is highly debated. An estimate of 30,000 Jews and 25,000 Romani killed, with almost the same number being deported, seems to be the most solid estimate. And these, the, like, the numbers for the Jewish people and the Romani are a lot more solid. Because yeah. they're not used so much for propaganda. Funny about that. And this gutted the Romani population in Croatia with the number deported and murdered representing almost all the Romani in the country at the time. So there were about 50,000 Romani at the start of the war. At the end, there's like zero. Yeah. If you don't get out, we'll kill you. So in that sense, and right, they were efficient there. And like we mentioned, the number of Serbs killed depends on who you ask. But the most credible estimates seem to fall in the 300 to 350,000 range. Once again, tons of controversy. Croats try to play it down and say, no, nah, it was war, just a couple got killed. Yeah, and the Serbs and the Serbs try to make it sound like there were two of them left at the end. Of like, course. Yeah, exactly. The College of San Giolarmo degli Elrici in Rome was basically the center where Croatian priests were sent to be trained by the Vatican. But this was far from its only function. During and after the war, it was also the center of Eustasha covert activity, on top of running an underground that helped Eustasha war criminals escape Europe after the war. So yeah, this is the place where you send priests and whatnot, but it's also where all these Eustasha cocksuckers get out. Well, 
Yeah, of Europe and really don't have to pay. Why would we have consequences? <sighs> God. You start Is that your actions? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know. I'm a white man. I'm not used to this. The Eustachio Affairs at San Giolermo were coordinated by the secretary of the college, good old father Krunoslav Draganovich, showing up once again. Of course. In 1943... shake this motherfucker. He's like Herbie's. Yeah. Once he's there, he's there. You're not getting rid of him. In 1943, he went to Rome allegedly as the representative of the Croatian Red Cross and to coordinate Eustachio Affairs in Italy. When the partisans succeeded in dislodging the Nazis, Italians, and the fucking Eustacia, members fled to Italy in an attempt to not be executed for their crimes against fucking humanity. You know. Taking advantage of the contacts inside the International Red Cross and other refugee and relief organizations, Draganovich helped Eustacia fugitives flee to South Africa. South America by providing them temporary shelter and false identification documents. So here you go. Here's yeah. everything you fucking need. Here's your new identity. Here's your new passport. You need a way there. You need some luggage? I'll sell you some fucking luggage. What you need? Right, see ya. I stole it from everyone we killed. I got what you need. Once the documents were ready, Dragonovich would set up transport for these fugitives to South America, primarily, of course, to Argentina. Yeah. At least 34,000 Croats and Nazi collaborators fled to Argentina after the war, all of whom were given amnesty by the Peron government in 1950. It's been five years. It's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. They're good now. Yeah, I know you were... Th Literally throwing fucking thousands of people in the sinkholes a couple years ago. But you seem cool now. Yeah, we like you. Yeah. You're all right. Right? Let's get a beer. Fuck. I want to have a beer with this guy. I really don't, man. Yeah, no. Jesus Christ. No. And Dragonovich, as a true human shitbag, also personally profited from these route lines. No shit. Of course What's he fucking... What's the point of doing this? it if I'm not profiting? <laughs> you think this is free, motherfucker? Yeah. Knowing the desperate people were ripe for exploitation, Dragonovich allegedly charged refugees as much as $1,500, which is about $25,000 today. Yeah, that's for, reasonable. Uh, honestly, to save your fucking life? Yeah, it is. Yeah. For false documents and charged each refugee... T the equivalent of $10,000 today for the transport to South America. So in total, you're probably looking at $35,000 to get out of Europe. And not get executed? And yeah. never have to answer. For, for your crimes? Yeah. <laughs> bargain. Yeah. For one murder, that's a bargain. For a whole genocide, I mean, you're fucking laughing. Or, according to my wife, a half-assed genocide. We're not efficient. Get your shit together. Seriously, You're are you here to kill or are you here to fucking dick around? Are you a Serbian? <laughs> Actually, it doesn't work. It's because it's Croatian. <laughs> I was going to... Serbican or Serbicant? But they're the ones getting killed, so it really doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. We're being fucking erased by these assholes. Yeah. <laughs> The most important Eustacia member to flee Yugoslavia was the leader of the pack, Ante Pavlich, who ended up in Argentina, of course. As one does. 
Although there isn't concrete evidence that Kronoslav Dragonovich helped Pavlich to South America, Pavlich did stay at the college after fleeing Croatia disguised as a priest, so he's at uh, San Gilarmo, or that's how I'm pronouncing it, because my so time I guess we should be house hunting in Argentina. <laughs> I mean, we'd get their descendants now. Yeah. yeah. Pavlich was eventually given Spanish papers and was transported to Argentina on an Italian boat in November 1948. So he actually stayed at that college for three years. Yeah, just hanging. Like, how the fuck did they not get him? Probably because it's a Catholic fucking church thing. It's like, oh, it's consecrated holy land. Exactly. We can't let you in here. Right. Then they should have just set the whole fucking thing on fire. Would have been smarter. Does someone still have a tank laying around? I mean, the war's just over. Can we shoot the fucking thing? But it's a church. It was. Now it's fucking rubble with Dragonovich and fucking Pavlich inside, which I feel good about. I'd feel okay about it. I'm doing all right with that. Pavlich got to live in Argentina for almost a fucking decade. Almost ten years. And he worked as a security advisor to Juan Perón, and he stayed politically active. So he didn't go into hiding. He didn't have to hide himself at all. No, he's fine. He became the security advisor of the fucking pre- or the president of Argentina. Yeah, don't worry about it. And he kept spouting his bullshit. Yeah. Nonstop. Fuck. He even created an, Jesus. He even created a government in exile for Croatia in 1951, which led to an assassination attempt in 1957. Yeah. Thank fuck someone took a shot at this guy. Yeah, but they missed. Yeah, but still, on the anniversary of the creation of uh, the NDH, which was the name of the Croatian state under Ustasha, a Serbian national shot Pavlic multiple times as he was exiting a bus in Buenos Aires. After this attempt on his life, Pavlich moved to Spain, where he died in 1959 of the long-term effects of the assassination attempt. So it was a long-term. He got shot in 57, and it didn't kill him until 59. I hope he fucking suffered. Oh, he suffered. Nah, I hope so. Unfortunately, shitbag Dragonovich wouldn't get such a deserved fate as Pavlich. No. No. Because life's not like that. No. After helping people like fucking Klaus Barbie, the butcher of Paris, get to South America through his rat lines, Dragonovich, Dragonovich was able to stay in Europe and worked on and off with American intelligence agencies. Yeah, because he's cool. Yep, because it's it. the Cold War. And he probably said, well, I'm anti-communist. Mm, good but, enough for us. And this was mostly during the Cold War years of 1959 to 63, when literally anyone they thought would give them intelligence would get on a payroll. Yeah. Someday we'll also do a really boring history one for everyone. The the years of lead in Italy. Oh. It's basically a, Operation Gladio, the one they mentioned in um, Archer. It's all based on that, the stay-behinds to make sure Italy didn't go fucking communist and it became its own fascist shit show and they just, ah, it's so bad. Terrible, terrible shit. Anyway. Later, Dragonovich was dropped as a source for information because he was unreliable and he made outrageous demands. In the early 60s. How outrageous 
do your demands have to be and how bad does your info have to be for America to be like, ah, I don't know, man. You're pretty fucking useless. If you ever have to flee the country, though, I can help. Yeah, I'm good at that. Dragonovich would make it back to Yugoslavia in 1967, and despite some protest, he was able to live as a free man until his death in 1983 at the age of 79. Fuck. Yeah. Good old brother Satan, or Miroslav Filipovich, was one of the few Ustasha to get a well-deserved death sentence. Fuck you, brother Satan. Yeah. After being captured, Filipovich was put on trial in Belgrade, the capital of the reformed Yugoslavia, for war crimes. Filipovich denied some of the crimes he was accused of, but he fully admitted to others, and he was found guilty because he fully admitted to some of the crimes. Yeah, you like, know. Not the best plan if you try and get off at trial to it's, admit to the, a crime? It's a really good piece of advice there. Don't admit to crimes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Don't openly admit to crimes. <laughs> I mean, fuck. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You're on your way to being a defense lawyer with that one. Don't admit to crime. Hmm. On his way to the gallows, Filipovich chose to wear his Franciscan friar robes as he was hung. Ugh. Yep. Fire rolls were audible. <laughs> that was a good loud. one. <laughs> the post-war legal follow for the Ustasha wasn't even close to what one would hope for. An operation by the new Yugoslavian state succeeded in arresting or killing 96 ex-Ustasha after the war, but many high-ranking officials were never fully punished for their crimes or punished not. at all, like we saw with Pavlich and Dragonovich. The lasting effects of the Ustasha in Yugoslavia and the Balkans in general are hard to define, but they are definitely bad. I mean, that's my hot take of the whole thing. Yeah, a genocide leaves a bad aftertaste. The legacy of the Ustasha as a whole, especially their genocidal fucking attempts... Was not good? ...left a bad taste around the Balkans. Yeah. They left their stink on it. Their number four stink is all over this. In the 21st century, like today, it's not uncommon to hear racist nationalist chants at soccer matches in both countries. Because... They still hate each other. And Yugoslavia, in very short, it's split up into a ton of fucking countries. You got Slovenia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Croatia, uh, Serbia, Macedonia, and fuck, there's another one I can't remember. But anyway, it just split into hell. And, of course, this trend of nationalism is only getting stronger because it is everywhere because that's the world we live in now yeah. as we circle the drain. Woo! <laughs> you know, like three years, it's fine. Don't worry about it. After the war, the Ustasha that fled didn't seem to have any problems looking back on what they had done whatsoever. No, we were having fun. Yep. It was camp. Darko Sakic who had been the high-ranking official at Yasinovich camp, the guy who became fucking the commander of the camp at 22, mm. said later, quote, the people died a natural death. There was a typhus epidemic, for example, but there were no cremation ovens that killed anyone. Mm -hmm. I, think that, <laughs> I think that you are the one who does not understand. The real problem with Yasinovich that was that we were not able to finish the job. I sleep like a baby. If I were offered the same post today, I would accept it. 
What a good dude. Fuck this guy in the ear. Yeah. With a spike. And on top of the denial of ex-officials who were part of the Ustasha, which makes sense. They don't want to admit. Oh, we didn't do that. More and more modern Croatians have gotten on board with the lovely trend of denying that what happened in Croatia in the Second World War was a genocide at all. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. We didn't do that. Like Sakic. If they, we did, it wasn't that bad. That's exactly, that's exactly it. It's no shit. the cascading of... We didn't do it. If like, we did do it, we didn't mean to do it. And it was only done by a couple rogues within our ranks, and it really doesn't represent us. Well, it kind of represent us, represents us, but not now. We're different now. No, we're the exact fucking same, and we would kill you in a second if we had a chance. Yeah. And that's basically how it just rolls down the line. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing the increase of. <laughs> yeah, we're at the... Oh, yeah, no, that's us part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this hasn't been a fringe movement either. It has permeated into the politics of Croatia. In 1989, the future president of Croatia, Franjo Tudman, published the book, fuck, Horrors of War, Historical Reality and Philosophy, in which he questioned the official number of victims killed by the Ustashi during the Second World War. In his book, Tudman claimed that between 30 to 40,000 people died to Yasinovich. Yes. Other politicians were less subtle about what they thought about the genocide. Stefan Masic, the president of Croatia from 2001 to 2010, as well as being prime minister for a short time in the 90s, said publicly in 1992 there should be no apologies, that's a quote, for Yasinovich, that it wasn't a death camp, and denied the nature of the concentration camp along with other statements supportive of the Ustashi. Of course. And this guy later apologized and stepped back from these statements, but they were certainly fucking right. made. Yeah. Yeah. You said it. Mm-hmm. On the local level, pro-Ustashi graffiti regularly shows up in public places all around Croatia, and you can see kids walking around with pro-Ustashi fucking t-shirts, which is sad because if it was a metal shirt, it would be the coolest fucking shirt in the world. But it's a sign of race hate, so if you ever see someone wearing one, set them on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. Do the Sackage fl- or flamethrower on them. Yeah. Yeah. You like flamethrowers? Right? You're clearly a fan. Fuck. 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 And, of course, at sporting events in Croatia, usually soccer matches, chants of kill the Serbs have been heard. In 2013, Croatian soccer player, player Josip Semenic oof, led a group of Croatian supporters in a controversial salute called Zadoma Sper- Spermini? Spermni? Jesus Christ, that's Spermni. Zadom Spermni. Oof. Roughly translated, it means, quote, for the homeland, ready. Hmm. And it was the Ustasha version of Sig Hale used during the war. So what you're saying is they're classy people. It's just all ramping back up. And oh, yeah. You know if they ever get a chance again, these they'll, the oh, Serbs yeah. and Croats will go at each other. The Bosnians will be stuck in the fucking middle. And it'll just be the usual Yugoslav scene. And with that, we close our two-parter on the Ustasha. Hopefully there are no technical issues with this one. because Humanity circles the drain. I really didn't want to have to record this one twice. I know my wife didn't, yet here we are. I feel good. Mm. How do you feel about humanity? Mm. 
But yeah, you could also see all this in the wars in the 90s in Yugoslavia. Yeah, it yeah. was all the same shit. It just wasn't as one-sided, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You had sides that could fight against what was happening instead of fucking villagers who have no idea and then all of a sudden some asshole shows up in a green uniform and packs everyone in a truck and sends the truck into a fucking sinkhole. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Good times. I'm so glad that's over. Happy birthday to me. Mm, please, God, let it be over. So if you like that Twice. story, feel free to rate or review us on Apple Podcasts. Send an email. Talk to us. Anything. Hi. We're here. <laughs> you look like you have shell shock. I'm just <laughs> so done. I we, hate this story. I hated it the first time. <laughs> I need to go through it a second time so that now it's cemented in my fucking brain. What so. parts did you hate the worst? All of it. I don't want to talk about it. I never want to talk about it again. I don't want to think about it. I am done. I broke my hat. Wait till we do the six part on Paul Pod. I will jump off the roof. And I don't have life insurance, so you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look. Huge thank you to our producer, Mickey Gorman, for the sport and being our first uh, producer. And until next time, have fun and play safe. Bye. Bye. You can email us at mentalillnesstheater at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at Mental Illness Theater, the worst on Facebook, Mental Illness Theater on Patreon, and Unicorn Holes on Instagram. <laughs>